Hi, everyone, and welcome to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I am your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And today we have a special guest whom I have known for a very long time. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, this is Jason Rowe. I'm uh, Ryan's younger brother. Uh, people say that we sound a lot alike, especially on the phone. So I'll be curious to see how confusing this is on a podcast. You know, I, people have said we sound alike, and I never really thought so until I started editing this podcast. And I keep hearing myself just inflections and little like chuckles and things. And I go, oh, yeah, that sounds like Jason. Yeah, yeah. So, I never really thought that we sounded alike. But yeah, if I hear a recording, I can I can definitely notice it a little more. So Jason and I have never spoken before. And I've been thinking, right. boy, that guy sounds like Ryan the whole time. <laughs> been on there you go. It's true. It was true this yeah. whole time. I just, I just couldn't believe it until now. And today we are talking about minutes 75 and 76 of The Great Muppet Caper, in which Fozzie's inspirational speech does the trick, and Miss Piggy gets a visit from her lawyer. So we pick up uh, at the end of the, the minute last week. Fozzie was saying that they have to do this thing. They have to catch the thieves and they have to clear Miss Piggy's name for justice. And now he adds for freedom, for honesty. And uh, all the Muppets who had previously uh, tried to drop out of this scheme are ashamed. Uh, Pop says he feels like two cents, uh, which by the way... Which is, I love that. It's Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of an old-fashioned expression somehow yeah it's just it's perfectly old-timey pops nonsense i love it yeah and uh two cents in june 1981 when this movie came out adjusted for inflation to today is six cents so uh if this movie feels a little better yeah if this movie were made today pops would feel like six cents (laughs) uh so yeah everyone is back in uh uh, floyd says it'll be a lot of fun to go out there and risk their lives dr t says all for one and one for all and then sam the eagle Oh, what's that? You skipped. Well, you skipped that Floyd says, I was only joking, which I really mm-hmm. like. Right. Before he says it'll be a lot of fun to go out there and risk our lives, he says, I was only joking, which to me is the funniest part of that line. He's yeah. just like, no, you know, I'm going to set up my sarcasm by making it clear that I'm being sarcastic, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a couple different layers there. Uh, and then Sam the Eagle, whom we haven't seen for a long time. Uh, in this movie, pops his head in the door and says, at times like this, I am proud to be an American. And then he kind of nods his head and does this little noise. Yeah, I love the way he he punctuates it. Yeah, with that little hmm. Right, yeah. So I have two things about Sam here. Good. The first is that at times like this, I am proud to be an American is apparently prompted by Dr. Teeth saying all for one and one for all. Right. Right? Right. Three Musketeers reference. So a line written by <laughs> Alexander Dumas, who is a Frenchman. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> Sam sticks that, his yeah. head in and says, that makes him proud to be an American. And then also, classic Sam, he just pops in, says that, you know, I'm proud of you. Keep up the good work, fellow patriots. And then he leaves because he's not going to do any of the work. No. Sam doesn't actually care about accomplishing things. No, we don't see him He just during likes the... to talk a big game. Right. We don't see him during the Mallory Gallery sequence, right? Right, correct. Yeah. He's not there. Right. So he it's similar to his thing before where he just popped out and said, You are all weirdos. The, only that time he was disapproving and now this time he is approving. Right. 
So he's done a complete. This is that. Sam's arc in this film. He's done a complete one eighty on <laughs> how he feels about the other Muppets. Well, he does have to get back to his job as the hotel detective, as we've established. <laughs> right, so. off screen. Uh, but of course, the other thing about him saying he's proud to be an American, they're in England. I guess all the characters are American. Well, except for Beauregard. Oh, because he's lived here all his life, he said. Yeah, Beauregard was born in England in this movie. Right, right. Okay. Bo- Bo- the Beauregard of this movie is canonically British. <laughs> the real Beauregard playing a character named Beauregard. So, uh, <laughs> Fozzie says that speech took a lot out of him. Which, you know, good old Fozzie. He's he's doing his best always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so perfect that Fozzie gets this speech. It seems very appropriate for him. I know Kermit gets his fair share of like dramatic, inspiring speeches, but somehow this one, it has to come from Fozzie because he's kind of the one that, that wears his heart on his sleeve a lot more. Yeah, that's true. And we had Kermit was the one who sort of told everyone in the previous clip, like, we have to, like, this is what we're going to do. And then everyone, nobody was convinced, but it takes Fozzie's earnest plea mm-hmm. to uh, to convince them all. Yeah, that's a good word for it, earnest. Right. Well, and it's and it's also perfect that, like, that short speech. I mean, he says that took a lot out of me. It's like that very short speech was just like mustering up all of his courage, right? Like mm-hmm. Fozzie screws his courage to the sticking place right. to deliver this very, like you say, earnest plea to his, his friends. And it's great. It's perfect. Like, and the ugh, <laughs> noise he makes after he's done. Yeah. Is perfect. It's Fozzie. It's so yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. What a guy. <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, then Kermit tells everyone uh, they got to gather around to make a plan, and that's when the Murphy bed flies up once again, engulfing everyone in in this this little niche in the wall. Um, it's been just long enough that we forgot that this was a Murphy bed from mm-hmm. the, the previous gag that that did it, and um, I, I love so it's two shots. Um, there's the one where it's all the the puppets sitting on the bed and i the bed actually raises up pretty high i'd be That's, curious yeah that note that i have i can't figure out how they did that yeah i'd be curious to know if the well, puppeteers- that's what i was gonna say i have a theory okay that it's a demon a dance <laughs> no um anyway something isn't right there. uh the the murphy bed probably has a bunch of holes in it right, right? like it's Muppeteers all sticking their hands up through the bed. Right. And then as the bed moves up there, because the characters are all moving. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, it's actually a pretty long take. Like it starts out with Kermit. They're clearly not just talking. like dolls yeah. stapled to the bed. Right. So like, there must be a, a second bed that has a bunch of holes in it. And then the one that we see go all the way up. But so then Kermit and Fozzie are sitting at the foot of the bed. And as the bed raises up, that's, uh, I, I'm just thinking the puppeteers have to, be there's a, a fair uh, amount of height that they have to raise those puppets in order to make this work visually. So I'm wondering if the puppeteers are just crouching on the ground on the, yeah, well, on the floor mean, at first, and then suddenly have to just shoot right, up in the I, air. Yeah, I think that's right. And I mean, Jim and Frank are both very tall. Oh, so, that's true. Do you think they put them at the edge of the bed they on were, purpose? They were, they were both over six feet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, that could work. And it's, you know, that would be easier than, you know, putting them on some kind of, um, I don't know, a, a gimbal or some kind of device that's going to spring everyone up off the floor. 
Uh, and then it cuts in the next shot to the other angle where we see all these Muppet legs sticking out, which is a very funny visual gag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, I like to kind of, I think when I was a kid, I, I like to try to figure out who's like, which legs belong to whom. <laughs> some of them are obvious. Like there are these brown. Some furry of them, yeah, like Fozzie, right. Yeah, Fozzie's. There's some with shoes, uh, kind of on the, the right, the, the right side near the, the top of the bed. I'm not sure who those are. I guess we, I could just go back and see who was sitting where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a fun activity. Match the shoes to the Muppet. <laughs> yeah. The somebody should do it and let us know. Give us a complete list. Uh, and now that you've said that, somebody will. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, so then Kermit says, or we could just get some sleep. And then the light bulb falls out of the, the, light again which again it's been long enough another great running gag yeah Yeah, we kind of forgot the last time this happened so it's funny all over again Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. uh this is a weird comment to make but there's there's something very satisfying about the sound of that bulb falling out of the of that light yeah somehow like i old-timey cameras with the the flash bulbs that you would eject i always like that sound and i don't know why but this is kind of a similar sound effect hmm yeah and we do hear flash bulbs in this movie too because gonzo's taking pictures Mm -hmm. But yeah, is this actually two sounds? Is there one of the light falling and then one of it smashing on the floor? Yeah, there's one when it falls out. Yeah, I believe yeah, one, so. One when it breaks on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, good sound effects. I don't think we happened to take note of who the uh, the sound designer might have been for this movie, but good job. <laughs> the sound editor was Nicholas Stevenson. And the sound recordist was Peter Sutton. Right, there we go. All right. So one or both so, or some combination of those guys. Good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else about the hotel room scene before we move on? Jason, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I was just going to point out, I, I love that shot of the, the Murphy bed going up. And we already talked about that. It, it's great because it's a lot of Muppets in a small space anyway. So I imagine it'd be hard to to film that. And then when the bed springs up, you know, just an additional challenge. I also noticed in the background of that shot, there's a mirror on the wall. So it feels like they were just trying to make it even harder on themselves. <laughs> yeah. I think they do that a lot, especially in this movie. Because I, yeah, I, I watched that clip several times and you don't see anything in the mirror. So they, they did it. Right. You see, you can see the reflection of the light, but you don't see any cameras or any puppeteers or anything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're just showing off. <laughs> pretty much anthony anything else about the hotel room just um when the light bulb falls and i didn't notice this the first time so i'm not sure if it was the case then when the light bulb falls there are two other light bulbs in the light fixture there's the one that we see fall and then there's oh no it looks like just one more but there's definitely one more light bulb with right. no like mm-hmm. um, fixture around it when the one falls out of the fixture they the whole lights go out so i guess that light was dead already but it just kind of makes it funnier to me that there is another light bulb in the shot. You know? Right. Yeah. I guess it's burned out. That's all. Yeah. It seems like it seems uh, in yeah. character for the happiness hotel. So then we cut to the inside of a women's prison where the camera moves past a few uh, tough looking prisoners as they sort of uh, grimace <laughs> in the general mm-hmm. direction of, of the camera. Um, and then we land. I love on... the faces that those women are making. It's actually the second one. Yeah. 
Well, we find out in a second that I think this shot is from the point of view of the guard. So these prisoners, yeah, are it makes a little faces. more sense that way. Yeah, they're making. They're faces. not just making faces at the camera, right? But I kind of like that too that they're making faces at us. Yeah, that's true. This movie has broken the fourth wall a lot, so that would make sense. I love the second one, especially the one who just kind of like put dry, seems like she's doing her best, like tough lady sneer, mm-hmm. and like seems to be enjoying it a great deal. <laughs> yeah. And also, I, I just love imagining the camera. Right, exactly, and I love imagining Jim Henson like just being like, "Okay, look <laughs> as tough as you can," you know? Yeah, yeah. Like you're intimidating. I don't know. It's great. This yeah, they make the most of a, a short time on screen. For yeah, sure. really, even more so than the cameo guest star. She's on screen for a second, <laughs> and she doesn't even have a line. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> but memorable. Yeah, and again, I like like so many people in this. I don't think she's credited. I'm not sure if we know who she is, but uh, she she makes the most of her screen time. Uh, <laughs> the camera then lands on Miss Piggy with her hands on the bars. Uh, it's very nice that the prison let her keep her pearls and her gloves <laughs> and the ring. Yeah, I noticed that. Of course she looks glamorous even in prison. Yeah. Yes, yeah, her eye makeup still looks lovely. So that that's very nice for her. Um <laughs> Now there was actually this this scene is one of the biggest departures from the July 22nd 1980 draft of the screenplay. In the draft uh when it cuts to her in the prison cell she's playing a harmonica. <laughs> and then the prisoner in the next cell tells her to cut the racket and the script tells us that the other prisoner is Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> And then there. I mean, she would, she would never have done it in a million years. But that would have no, no. They were never going to get the real Queen Elizabeth for this movie. Um, there's a joke where Piggy says, uh, "You know, she's not supposed to be in in jail. She was framed. She used to be a famous model." And the other prisoner says, "Yeah, and I was the Queen of England." <laughs> and yeah, you know, yeah. I I almost so, feel like so it might Queen have been Elizabeth worth it. is kind of like it might have been worth it just to get that joke in. Sorry, go ahead, Anthony. Just that Queen Elizabeth is kind of like the Henry Kissinger of this movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, although, I, as far as I know, this is the only appearance of the Queen Elizabeth character in the screenplay. But yeah, they, they knew they weren't going to get Queen Elizabeth just like they weren't going to get Henry Kissinger. But it might have been fun to, to cast a, a Queen Elizabeth impersonator. Just like that Steve Irwin impersonator that was so good in that other terrible movie they made. Oh, boy. Yeah. That... Why did do we know why that happened? Were they were, did they try to get the real Steve Irwin? It, it I would just be amazed if he had turned it down. Right, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't seem like Like it seems so much like something he was going to do, you right. know? Like he was in Doctor Doolittle 2 as himself. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it, but then if he wasn't able to it Anyways, oh, it, it seems like they Anyway, yeah, maybe we'll do we'll talk about that when we do a bonus episode about It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas movie. It's a Crappity Kermity Crudsmiss movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyone who's a longtime reader of the Tough Pigs website or perhaps the Tough Pigs forum knows that we uh, have come up with an infinite number of variations on it's a happy, wackety, schmackety, Christmassy, muppety movie thing. <laughs> um, where was I? Uh, the Queen tells Piggy that the prison is terrible, but the food is surprisingly well prepared. And then, uh, this is all in the draft still, of course. And then Piggy goes off mm-hmm. to a calendar and crosses off that date. 
And then she goes to her bunk, she drifts off. And then there's a whole musical number in this draft that didn't make it to the final movie. Wow. Uh, it's called Stop. And all the lyrics are actually in the script. It's about how hard prison life is, but she's not going to let it get to her. And then over the course of the song, she's imagining herself uh, going to the prison cafeteria and making license plates and digging a hole so she can escape and uh, fooling the guards by hiding a dummy with a Raquel Welch head. <laughs> Whatever that means. I guess like a cutout of Raquel Welch for a face. Um, and then also she's growing a beard. <laughs> that I would have liked to see. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny, too, that it was Raquel Welch, because in the v- very famous prison movie, The Shawshank Redemption, posters on his cell wall, which cover a hole that leads him to freedom. I think most of our listeners probably know this. It's a very famous movie. But the last poster, the poster that's on there when he escapes, is Raquel Welch. That's oh. right, yeah. I wonder if... Uh... So... The screenwriters or, or Stephen King knew or that. Stephen King, yeah. Yeah. Stephen King was a fan of the <laughs> June 20, July 22nd, 1980 draft of the Great Muppet Keeper screenplay. I like to think he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, so this is also interesting to me um, because 33 years after this movie, the Muppets made a movie where Kermit found himself in prison and there was a musical number about him adjusting to prison life. Hmm. But not... And it was head. No, I don't. Well, he does try to escape, but does he have a poster? Is it a poster of Piggy? Uh, I don't think so. They do that joke in Mubs from Space, where the rats have a Spice Girls poster over the hole that mm. they've dug. Oh, the, the mice, mice girls. girls, I guess. Yes, indeed. Remember Mubs from Space, the hit movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. But in the movie that we're talking about today, and in the the actual movie, not the draft, we see the prison guard approach Piggy's cell, and she says, your lawyer is here to see you, little green guy. Um, it's always, there's something about that line, or the way it sounds, or the way her mouth moves. I've always wondered if that was dubbed. Yeah, there is something weird about the cut and the way her mouth moves. So can we talk about the prison guard for a second? Yeah. Yes. Um, as with many of the small roles in this movie, she is played by an actress who was probably familiar to British audiences, uh, w- but is, of course, not familiar at all to American audiences. Her name is Peggy Aitchison. And Peggy Aitchison was on the soap opera Crossroads for six years, 1964 to 1970. I think more notably for, for certainly her purposes, Ryan, she was a regular on Robin's Nest for four seasons from 1978 to 1981. Now, do do you know what Robin's Nest is, Ryan? Um, Is that one of those British sitcoms that was adapted as an American sitcom that I don't remember which one it was? Yes. So the the, the original is Man About the House, which is adapted into Three's Company. Yes. And after that show was on for four seasons, it became Robin's Nest about Robin, who's the Jack Tripper character, and his girlfriend opening a restaurant together. Which was the, um, the American? So that actually was remade Three's as crowd. right. The American spinoff was Three's a Crowd, which only ran for one season and nobody remembers it. But Robin's Nest ran for six years and made forty-eight episodes. And this actress, Peggy Aitchison, was a regular on it as the handyman's girlfriend, Gertrude. <laughs> All right. Hmm. And the theme song for Three's Company was written by Joe Raposo, who wrote the songs for this movie. Oh, I didn't know that. That's right. It's it's all full, the double full circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything is connected. 
and and time as a flat circle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just <laughs> wanted to to point this out. She, so I think she has a British accent. She says your lawyer is here. Um, something that came up or that that has come up in my life. I say lawyer because it's spelled L A W Y E R. I would say your lawyer is here. Because to me, that's what the word is. I think it also has to do with where I grew up. But I, a yeah, lot I of definitely people say lawyer. Lawyer, right? Yeah, law, your. Yeah, they're both of us having grown up and having had several of the same teachers <laughs> and the same parents. Right. Um, but I think a lot of people <laughs> in different parts of the country say lawyer, which mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense to me. No, but Ryan, 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 Ryan. Yes. <laughs> A lot of words. You should let that go because it should make sense to you because it happens all the time. Oh, sure. But I think it's a it's more of a regional thing than a right or wrong thing in this case. Yeah, that's probably right. I will say that you and Peggy Aitchison are the only two people I've ever heard say liar. Well, she says it even in, yeah, a different way. She, I don't know. Yeah. Loy- You're lawyer. How do you here. do it? How do you do it? I, I don't know. I, I say lawyer. He's practicing law. He's not practicing loy. <laughs> I remember having this discussion back when the so, show Lost was on too. People would talk about the the character. You're the only Sawyer. one I've ever heard. Yes, definitely. Yeah, they it's would kind say of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sawyer who, on Lost, and I would say, wait, his name is Sawyer. Wait, who's Sawyer? Yeah, yeah, but but so you would say that when like Kate or Jack or anyone else addressed him by name. Yes, every time I would stand up and say out loud to the TV <laughs> because that's the wrong. only way his, his name, name is was ever Sawyer. pronounced. I mean, on, his on name the, is Sawyer. The, you guys, are, you guys are insane. You know that, right? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> you wrote, you wrote Damon Lindelof a very strongly worded letter about it. Yes, and I, I wrote Carlton Cuse another letter, and I wrote Josh Holloway another letter. Anyway, so does that mean you say lawyer? Oh, good. Anthony? All, all worthwhile, I think. Does that mean you say lawyer? Yeah, of course, everyone does. Yeah. Um. So her, according to the guard, Piggy's lawyer is here to see her. Uh, Piggy has a great line there. She says, Kermie, no wonder he hasn't come by to see me. He had to finish law school. I love that joke. That is a great line. <laughs> how long does it take to finish law school anyway? Um, apparently a couple of, or 45 minutes, right? That's how long Piggy's been in. Yeah, that makes the joke even funnier later. Yes, yes, that's true. Uh, Piggy comes out to the visitor area where she sees Kermit wearing a suit and a mustache. Um... Kermit tells Piggy to call him Rosenthal. He's her attorney because that's the only way they would let him in. And this is the first time this occurred to me. Is he assuming the identity of an actual attorney named Rosenthal that that happens to be known around the prison? Or otherwise, why couldn't he just show up and say, Hi, my name is Kermit the Frog. I'm an attorney. That wouldn't be nearly (laughs) as funny. Yeah, I was assuming he just tried to pick a, a name that he thought sounded like a good lawyer name. Yeah. From the offices of Rosenthal and Rosenthal, right, right. Which, like, for for example, and I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but the way that Piggy drops her voice after she says, "I've missed you so, Rosenthal," like that's why he does it, so that Piggy can do that. Like, yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, if he was just Kermit the Frog, the lawyer, it would be whatever, you know. But it's like it's so much funnier. <laughs> I love Rosenthal. I love the mustache, the hat, the fact that that's his name. It's oh. Yeah, and it's that long funny. lingering shot on Rosenthal when we first see him. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's a funny name too. Yes, Rosenthal just sounds funny. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's always funny just to see 
Kermit in a, a silly outfit or a silly disguise. Uh, they do it again a couple times in the next movie. And uh, I, this is not the the only time that we have ever seen Kermit with a mustache, but I think it's probably the first time. I couldn't think of any other earlier examples. Hmm. It does seem like something that would be in a like Kermit and Grover bit from the seventies, but I I don't know that it is. Just it just feels like it could be like Grover as a door to door salesman and he's selling mustaches. <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. Right. I mean, the whole thing is funny too because Kermit has no discernible nose on his face for the mustache to grow under. So. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know how he would decide where to put it. <laughs> right. Um, but yes, Piggy is happy to see him. She says it's been an eternity. <laughs> Kermit says it's been 45 minutes. This means Kermit had time to leave the fashion show, go back to the hotel, gather the whole gang, give them that pe- that pep talk, assemble this disguise, and get to the prison all in 45 minutes. Kermit works very fast. Yeah, yeah. And as Anthony said, it makes that earlier joke even funnier that, that Piggy He's apparently thinks you can finish law school in 45 minutes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's how long it's been. Uh, and then in response to to uh, the 45 minutes, <laughs> Piggy says, she starts to say, time goes slow in, and that's where this clip cuts off. Where does time no. go slow? We don't know. We'll have to wait until next week to find out. Uh, I also like that the when she walks into the, the visitation, the, the score is the first time it happens. It's a nice little touch. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a kind of a... Like a slow kind of, uh, sweet yeah, kind of a of the first time melancholy, yeah, sweet, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good observation. I didn't think to write that down. Um, so, any final thoughts on these minutes, Jason? I will start with you. Uh, no, I don't think so. Anthony, um, guard says two minutes, pig, with seventeen seconds left to go in this clip. So, will Kermit and Piggy be done talking within those two minutes? Will they be done? one minute 43 seconds into the next clip we will find out next week yeah we should definitely time them to make sure i hope we remember to do that i will try my best yes yeah yeah i guess that's it then uh so jason we like to ask our guests what is your history with this movie do you remember the first time you saw it how would you rank it among muppet movies i i will say we last season for the muppet movie we had um uh, Jason's sister and my sister, Erin, on <laughs> yeah. the podcast. And I was kind of surprised that she didn't really... She thought she'd only maybe seen the Muppet movie once or twice in her whole life, which surprised me because huh. I feel like I was always watching these things at home. So I don't know if you... Maybe Erin just like went off to do her own thing or play with her own toys while I was commandeering the TV and the VCR. But yeah, I'd be curious right. to hear what you remember about it. Yeah, for me, I I definitely remember watching the Muppet movie as a kid, and I have fond memories of that. I don't really remember this one from childhood as much. Hmm. So, yeah, do you think we watched this one as much as the Muppet movie? Maybe not. Um, I think we had all three of the you know the classic Jim Henson Muppet movies uh, on VHS tapes, but yeah, maybe somehow this didn't make it into rotation quite as much as the Muppet movie. Yeah, uh, I'm wondering if that's it. Or the only other thing I can think of is that I feel like the Muppet movie might have better set pieces for a kid. I remember as a kid loving the the giant pie, you know, that gets launched onto the car yeah. and loving the giant uh, animal. 
So I guess I just liked uh, giant uh, set pieces. I think that's reasonable to assume that a young child would like large things. Kid. Yeah, so I have, like, those are the things that stick out to me when I think about the Muppet movie as a kid. And, and for whatever reason, this movie wasn't as memorable for me. Um, but yeah, when you guys started the season, I went back and watched it. And I think the the Muppet movie will probably always be my favorite just because I kind of have those memories and that nostalgia of watching it growing up. But I will say this one is definitely funnier. I think it's probably the funniest Muppet movie. Yeah, I think that's one of the big reasons why it, it has taken the number one spot on my list. But uh, and it's yeah. interesting. It definitely has like the you know the old school movie musical feel to it. But watching it, I was kind of getting like a a Zucker Abrams Zucker vibe too. Kind of airplane in terms of the the pacing of the jokes and just all the visual gags. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that, and just sort of, yeah, the volume of the, the sheer volume of the jokes and how... Yeah, just how it's, yeah, bam, 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 all these jokes. Yeah, and how, how silly they're willing to get with them. Yeah, so that that part of it is probably why I like it the most. Sure. Um, I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if maybe young kids are slightly less interested in old-fashioned Hollywood uh, <laughs> musical homages. Right, just give me a giant custard pie, and that's all I need. Right, still to this day. Yeah, yeah, that I would still be happy with a movie that has a giant pie or a giant animal. Well, now I know what to get you for Christmas: <laughs> a giant custard pie. There we go. So, uh, with that, then we will wrap things up for the week. Listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, and all those things. Please do tell us what you thought of this episode and all episodes uh, by, by checking out the, the post for this episode on, on Facebook or Twitter or drop by our Tough Pigs forum, which is linked on the front page of toughpigs.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe, and Anthony on Twitter at Marxist. Jason, where can people find you and any uh, internet presence of yours online? Uh, uh, nowhere, really. All I right. have a, a Twitter account, but I use it pretty much just for, for lurking. So, uh, yeah, I don't really have much of a presence. You are probably better off. Yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, I, I feel that way sometimes. For your, for your mental health. Right. Uh, so, also, listeners... If you don't mind, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever and tell all your friends about the show and join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. See you later. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.